0: Homeless Link is the national membership charity for frontline homelessness services. We work to improve services through research, guidance and learning, and campaign for policy change that will ensure everyone has a place to call home and the support they need to keep it. In this series of the Going Beyond podcast, we will discuss the effects of working in the homelessness sector on individual well-being, looking at managing stress, burnout, the effects of vicarious trauma, and the importance of debriefing and reflective practice. In each episode, we will speak to a guest who will tell us about their expertise, provide practical tips for improving well-being, and discuss the realities of working in the sector. I'm Jo Turner, National Practice Development Project Manager at Homeless Link, and I'll be your host. We hope you enjoy it. In this episode, we will be speaking with Nick Carr, registered psychotherapist who specialises in working with individuals with a dual diagnosis, many of whom who are experiencing homelessness. Nick also ran the Homeless Link Trauma-Informed Care Training and helped develop our reflective practice course, currently running groups for various organisations, including Providence Row. We will also be speaking with Neil McArdle, Head of Learning and Training at Providence Row Charity we will discuss the importance of reflective practice and talk about practical ways of embedding it within everyday working life. So today we are joined by Nick Carr and Neil McArdle. Welcome both of you. How are you today?
1: Good. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. I'm feeling very reflective.
0: Perfect. Perfect for this episode. So thank you so much for being here today for the Going Beyond podcast. So to start, it would be great if you could just tell us a bit about yourself and what you do Um, i'll come first to you nick
2: even before i qualified as a social worker i was working in children's homes with homeless people and then i did social work training and now i'm a psychotherapist so i have specialized in working with people with dual diagnosis people with mental health drug and alcohol problems a lot of whom are homeless and of course that client group uh very much has lots of challenges and then I uh, ran training for Link on trauma-informed care, helped to develop the reflective practice course. And I um, run reflective practice groups for various organisations, including Providence Row.
0: Perfect, thank you. Um, and Neil, are you okay to tell us a bit about yourself? Of
1: course. Uh, so my name's Neil McArdle. I'm the head of learning and training at Providence Row. Um, I've been working for Providence Row for five years. Um, and during that time, Nick has been our reflective practitioner a facilitator. Prior to that, I worked for about 15 years um, for another homeless charity in Essex, running day centres and hostels and things like that. So, Providence Row is the first place actually that we've used reflective practice in this embedded cultural way. Uh, so, I'm really pleased to be here to talk to you about it. Pleased to
0: have you. So, in the last five episodes of the series, we've discussed burnout, vicarious trauma the importance of setting boundaries, using mindfulness to unpack stress and critical incident debriefing. So a lot of people working in the homelessness sector will have heard of reflective practice and I thought it would be useful to delve into this area a bit further. So firstly, Nick, would you be able to explain what reflective practice actually is?
2: So all human beings naturally think about what they do. I guess in reflective practice we are stepping back from an experience that we've had and we're actually consciously thinking about what is it that we did, what in, what do we think and feel about what we did and we do this so we can learn from our practice and improve things for our clients, for ourselves and for the organisation. In a sense we're kind of unpicking and discovering what our organisations may be. Um, so for example just because we always done it in a particular way doesn't mean that we have to continue so reflecting gives us many more choices about how we might operate so we're we're standing back and thinking about our experience and we can you know we can reflect in lots of different ways um, with colleagues by ourselves uh, with our bosses with our in our teams and we can also have a, a purposefully planned reflective practice group anything that helps us improve our work Um, And by thinking about it is what reflective practice is.
0: Amazing. Thank you. Uh, And I think it's sometimes difficult to actually create that space and time to really be reflective Mm -hmm. uh, in the workplace. I don't know if that's something you find, Neil, that actually just stepping back from kind of what can potentially be quite a lot of firefighting in a situation Mm -hmm. and reflecting on that can sometimes... Yeah, not always seem like the priority. Yeah, I think
1: when you're working crisis services, uh, in particular, or any, any service where you're working frontline, that can always feel like the most pressing thing. And the idea that you might step away and reflect on your own feelings in a situation or how you're responding to a situation feels somehow like you're fueling your ego or you're, it's something unnecessary. It's like not, not as important as that person who's in front of you or the uh, the person who's asking for help. Um And of course, it's a balance of those things. We're never saying don't help people. What you're saying is take the time to think about your needs and how you're responding in that moment so that you can be a better worker and then serve that person better or be a better team member or uh, be a better coach to your manager or however it might be, like how your contribution can be maximised.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think something about reflective practice as well is that it's not I mean for me my first experience of it was having a group set up for me Um, and I I think you know it was when I first started working in the sector so many many years ago and a group was set up and I thought it was just I go to that once a week or every fortnight and it's not actually something that should be ingrained in my um, kind of daily work life Um, so I think it's obviously really important to think about it as something that's done by ourselves kind of during the workplace and also when we're at home potentially as well as a group
2: absolutely absolutely so as i said before we can reflect on our own with a colleague our boss in teams in supervision in team meetings and in formal reflective practice groups and it and it doesn't have to be reflecting on a critical incident although Mm. we can it can be reflecting about uh, a risk assessment you've done an interaction you've had on the phone with you know the council housing department it can be policy reflecting on policies and procedures and how they could be made better so it's very much uh, there's different ways but um what all different kinds of reflective practice have in common is trying to make sense of the experience mm. so that we can deliver a better service and i think it's really interesting what neil said about working in crisis services because oh. often people don't think they have the time to do it mm. so it can seem that we can't take the time out However, we work with really complex clients um, with multiple needs, and we know that 85% of clients in the homelessness services have a complex trauma um, related to adverse childhood experience of abuse and neglect. And I think for me as a psychotherapist, what I would say is often these clients weren't thought about and they weren't put first by their primary caregivers, parents and so forth. And and services are very busy. So of course, they need and deserve the time for us to think about them, to step back and think about them purposefully, to try and make sense of what we think, what their behaviour might be presenting, which is baffling and challenging. And of course, workers deserve this time because as workers, we use ourselves as the tool interacting with, with our clients. And we know the relationship is at the heart of change. It's not the techniques that we do, although that's relevant, it's not just what we do for them, it's how we are with them because relationship is food for the brain and that's what helps clients feel understood. And if you don't feel understood and if you don't feel you can trust your worker, you're not going to open up and therefore it's just really important that we think about how we are with our clients.
0: Yeah. Definitely. It sounds
1: like, really, from what you're saying Nick, as well, it's like we have a, as workers, we have a responsibility, isn't it? I think about this a lot, about what do we, we are responsible for how we are interacting in a situation or how how we're responding. And that, that responsibility doesn't mean we have to have the answer, because often we don't have the answer. It's like, if it was that easy, we'd just be these robots just spitting out, like solving problems, but that's not how it works. So actually it is about how we we have a responsibility to work in this reflective way that helps us bring out responses that might be effective?
2: Yes, I think the key word there is respond because our clients may indirectly make us want to react. Mm. So it's Mm. about thinking consciously what is it that we're doing. And it's interesting what you said about what I think one of the challenges to finding the time to reflect is exactly that assumption that you're talking about, that we have to get it right. So what I would say is there's no such thing as wrong thoughts or wrong feelings. It's what we do and how we understand them. So, and I think often people can feel, oh, I can't expose my practice to colleagues or because I, they might judge it as being inadequate or wrong. And I actually think that, that is an impediment. And so one of the first things is that everybody feels safe. Um, so there really is no, you know, and I think if we think we have to have all the answers, then that stops us from reflecting. Mm-hmm. And it's really important that others can help
1: us. Well, it could stop you moving forwards, can't it? Yes. I mean, the, the idea that mm-hmm. sort of your procrastination is essentially about the idea that, of perfectionism, so I'm not good enough or I can't achieve the outcome that I want. Therefore, mm. I just won't take a step forward. You know, you kind of need to feel that as long as you're moving forwards, even if you're not clear on what it's going to look like at the end, you need to still move forwards in some way or feel confident that you can take a step forwards.
0: Mm. Mm.
2: And I think that moving forward can be about learning from experience, gathering new perspectives. So mm. this is what I did last time with no judgment. Yeah. There were things I did well, things I may think about that could be done differently, and I'm saying differently rather than better, so that I can learn from that experience. So, not judging ourselves is really important in feeling that you can move forward.
1: It made me think when you were saying that about being a new worker and like the approaches I would take on day one or day. 25 of being a worker or in my first few years of being a worker and and how I would approach things are very different to how I would approach things now they weren't wrong they were based on Mm. my understanding my skill sets at the time Mm. and now hopefully I've gained new understandings and I'm taking other approaches that will have a, a toolbox that I can pull from
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah I think what you touched on earlier saying that you know it's about actually kind of sharing what you did and if something went wrong or something went right and actually I think we in another episode we spoke about kind of that feeling of failure and that kind of makes us not want to share about stuff and and therefore kind of reflect on things because you you think that potentially something that you've done for someone that you're supporting uh, it didn't work out or something and you kind of take that on yourself and you've got that kind of feeling of failure and that makes you not really want to share and then you take on that kind of load of like, Oh, God, I have failed in a certain way. And that feeling kind of is then you're not wanting to reflect on that and share and obviously probably a lot of other colleagues might have similar feelings. Of
2: course, of course. And and, uh, an example I'm just thinking about is I was running a reflective practice group um, in a mental health service and the workers, one worker was saying, Oh, my client is still drinking and I feel I haven't helped him move forward. But then one of his colleagues of the mental illnesses was saying yes but he's turning up to every appointment Mm. and he couldn't see that the worker couldn't see that so actually others who aren't in the same situation may help us see things that we can't it's kind of like if you've been cooking all day you can't taste your own food and we need someone else to taste it to tell us we need to add something or it's perfect as it is so that gives us confidence in our judgment and our skills
0: yeah definitely I think it would be interesting to also talk about um the difference between reflecting in action and also on action but if you're able to kind of talk about that a bit next
2: reflection in action is, is is essentially to think about what is happening during the situation so for example when you're inter, when you're interviewing a client we can consider it like thinking on our feet to solve a problem Um, Which, of course, is what we do all the time. So, you know, we do reflect all the time. Um, However, as a a reflective practitioner, we're doing it more consciously. So reflection um, in action is something happening at at that time. And reflection on action is purposefully kind of exploring and analysing a situation after it's happened.
0: Yeah. Okay. Amazing. And I think it would be another useful thing, I think, for for the listeners – would be thinking about practical tips on how to reflect during the workplace because I think some people might struggle to I think like we've touched on to take that time and suddenly like draw back and think about something in a reflective way so is there any kind of tips you can give to allow individuals to get into a kind of a reflective state and things
2: yeah so I think I think, as I said, we can reflect in a variety of different ways on our own, with our colleagues, informally over a cup of tea and also in a group on lots of different things, whether it be policies, procedures, our, um, an interaction with a client or with colleagues even. And I'd firstly say we need to be clear that we are not being judgmental about anyone's practice, including our own we're taking an open and a curious stance. So we're not going in there thinking we're going to find solutions, but that may be the outcome at the end. Um, We can think of it as kind of critiquing practice, but not being harsh or critical about ourselves or others. Um, And the work we do is just so complex and so difficult, and it's not all down to us. So, So much of it is out of our control, and therefore... It's definitely not about jumping to conclusions about what's right or wrong. There are no right or wrong feelings. We just need to understand them better, as I said before. So I think it's about noticing what it is that we're feeling, what's going on. So a situation that's occurring at the time, noticing what what, what we're feeling. So maybe we're seeing a client and they're getting impatient or, or annoyed at us during a meeting. And I like to visualise pressing the pause button i have an image of my head okay i'm noticing uh that that my heart is beating fast um beginning my temperature's rising i've got butterflies in my tummy i need to take a deep breath to slow everything down so just noticing that and then you might observe what the client is doing maybe they're leaning forward maybe their fists are clenched maybe they are not looking at you at all so you you kind of notice and you think they may have misunderstood something that you said and so you can then decide what you might do so give yourself time press that pause pause button it's okay to take that time And then when you've really collected your thoughts, so maybe you've thought, ah, he misunderstood when I said, this decision is not up to me. The client, you know, he or she has misunderstood that. So maybe I will rephrase that and say, although the decision is up to the council, I will be with you every step of the way and we'll work together to kind of, you know, Try and convince them that you need to be rehoused, and I'll be with you, and I will, you know, phone you at least once a week to review progress. So you can you can think about how you might say things different. And when you've taken that time out, then you can press the play button and say, it in whatever way that you thought. Yeah, I think I think just giving yourself the time, breathing, observing, noticing what you're thinking, you're feeling. What, what is the client sort of, how how they are
1: doing?
0: Yeah. I like that, press the pause button. I think uh, when I, in previous roles, I didn't really press the pause button very often because I think it's just really like, go, 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 and you'll deal with the situation at hand. And it's very easy to not pause and press play constantly. Yeah, I really like that. Just kind of pause, reflect, think, you know, take your time and then continue. I think that's really effective.
2: And in trauma-informed practice, we talk about um... Our window of getting into our window of effective tolerance, mm. which means taking the time, and it just means when we are calm, so we're neither really aroused, very anxious, or under aroused, you know, not not you know, not interested. So we're in that space where we can think clearly, calmly, and that's when we can do our best work. So it's just really important to take the time out. It's not a luxury, it's what makes you more effective, and also you stepping back helps the client to step back.
0: Mm.
2: And sometimes they want to be silent and gather their thoughts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Nick. I think it'll be really interesting to hear from you, Neil, about how you use reflective practice in your work.
1: There's a few things. that There's like the ways in which we use it on a day-to-day basis. And there's the ways structurally as an organisation that we use it and how that's sort of embedded. So on a day-to-day basis, exactly as Nick was explaining just now, I would... It's good to be able to step back from a difficult situation or where there's a conflict or, you know, I'm talking about a busy day centre environment. And for me, sometimes uh, they can feel the pressure to be responding immediately. There's a situation there's a, or a stimulus and then there's a response, isn't there? And it's the bit in between. And it's how do we pause and not be caught up in the urgency of that client, for instance, or the situation. It seems like it has urgency, but actually, if we take a step back, we don't need to be going down that roller coaster journey with them. We can take a step back. We can take ownership of the situation. We are responsible. We have a duty of care to the people that are accessing our services to make an informed decision. And it might be that we say, I'm thinking of an incident that occurred just yesterday for our services. And we've been ruminating on the best approach for doing that. There was a discussion around it. So we put an interim measure in place so that we could take a step back and think about how we might work and what the best approach might be so and we were transparent about that decision-making process we didn't we explained that we were going to be discussing or thinking about what we wanted to do um so that's how we might use it in a sort of a sort of crisis moment that's how we might approach it Mm -hmm. but in terms of how we do it as a sort of structurally as an organization there's a few things that we do now we've been using reflective practice as a tool as an organization for a long time or several many years so have we have regular group reflective practice sessions that we invite all members of staff to go to not just frontline but any all services and all um sort of functions in the organization because everybody can come into contact with with our clients and be affected by some of the situations that we have so this is a real opportunity to get value from that we also offer one-to-one sessions um, I've had one-to-one sessions with Nick. We've we've had some reproductive conversations um, when I've had some difficult times. And sometimes when you're really stuck on a problem, it might be that you don't necessarily want to resolve that problem in a group setting. You might feel, particularly as a manager myself, it can feel incredibly vulnerable to be, you know, talking about a difficulty that I'm having in a situation. So it's good to be able to do that uh, on a one-to-one basis. Um, And any time that we have a pattern of, incidents or perhaps if there'd been uh, a death in service um, we always circulate that to all of our staff as part of our like, ongoing support mechanisms that we have alongside our other employee assistance program you know benefits and I think I think that's important and I do think that it has impacted on how I can speak for myself how that I work as a uh, supervisor in my supervisions I'll we do spend a lot of time, I try and ensure that people have the space to reflect on their practice and it's been real learning for me as well around thinking about how not to, the non-judgmental thing that Nick was talking about before is that there is no one solution and that sometimes it's just to give space to explore solutions if it would be... Uh, ludicrous for me to think that I have all the answers to things as well as much as we our ego likes to make us think that we do we don't have the answers and sometimes it's just exploring those things together um so I think in terms of how we practice that uh how we how we try to use that in our supervision experiences support meetings I think is really important too yeah
2: I mean I think it's interesting what you say because I think the workers really care about the work that they do Then
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: you know, that's what motivates us we want to make a difference we want to have an impact yeah. and because of that we are quick to jump into action to try and solve problems but as mm-hmm. Neil said we might have to think is this a problem for me is this a problem for the client do I need to do I need to work on this now maybe it's not a good time for the client maybe I'm not in my window of effective tolerance maybe I've got too much on my mind and maybe I don't do it now so I don't need to do it now. So reflecting is important. And I think it helps us put some structure into our thinking. So the first element of reflection is to just describe what has happened. What are the facts? What happened? Who was there? What, when, why? All of those things. And then after we've kind of described it, um, you can then, you can then um, explain what you were thinking as that was happening yeah. Um, and then what you were feeling. Um, so I think, so it's describing, analyse, you know, sort of just talking about what you were thinking and feeling and then um, evaluating. So so what conclusions and can I draw from this? What, perspe- what other different perspectives might there be? Um, and then thinking about, well, if this happened again, what would I do the same? What would I do differently? And it might not be about you. It might be about the team, the organisation. It might be about your commissioners might need to do something differently. Might be to do with the referral pathways. Mm. Might be to do with the policies and procedures of the organisation. So it's really rich learning for everybody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to go back to kind of what you said, Neil, as well about in your supervisions, allowing uh, people that you manage time to reflect on their work what are the kind of ways in which you allow that space and create that space where they feel able to reflect and, and I guess share as well with you
1: I think firstly it's it's about actually ensuring that you're consistently providing supervision mm. because I think if it's not it has to be a protected space it's much like our reflective practice we're quite clear on the sort of rules around that you know it's a protected space we don't bring our uh, where where we work, we have radios that where we like like security devices. We don't bring those into the meeting. We don't bring uh, our phones unless we're really clear about it. Um, but it's the same for supervision. It's yeah. a it's a locked off space where we can sit and meet one to one and have a conversation. And then I think it's about the questions that you're asking, and you're and in your like Nick was saying, it's being curious. It's like what challenges are you facing at the moment? What's been really affecting you recently? I noticed that you were last week you were a bit upset about that situation or you seemed didn't seem yourself you seemed a bit out of sorts or it's finding the language it doesn't feel like you're accusing somebody of something yeah. but you know checking in with somebody that well-being check our first one of our on our, on our supervision document the first question we have is it's a well-being check because mm. it's an important part of the work we do and i think that checking in with people is important and then ask framing those questions to explore and be curious about what their work looks like and what's happening for them because really it should be led by that person if it's me dictating to them what their issues are it's just not really it's not really reflective is it it's me being insistent or prescriptive and actually it should be the worker to think about these are the things in ask, sometimes it takes somebody to ask that question for us to think about it what actually affected me this week what when was the you know what what things have I really been thinking about? What have I ruminated on? Yeah. Where do I feel like I've been really challenged? And that's sometimes that's good just for reflection. I, I often ask staff about that, like what what have you really found difficult at the moment? And sometimes people are more able feel more able to express that than others. It's not for everybody. But I think that uh for those that where they see value in that, I think that they see that as an opportunity.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's like you said, the way you kind of phrase the questions, not to interrogate, but kind of keep them open. In terms of kind of a group reflective practice session I know I've, I've heard from lots of people recently that actually it's quite difficult to get members of staff to to go along to these group sessions that are scheduled in sort of on a fortnightly basis and it'd be interesting to kind of think about why people don't prioritise that time. I don't know if you've got any perspective or you know and also kind of how we can gently encourage but you know because we obviously can't make it a mandatory thing to go to um as i learned from uh, nick (laughs) and it's kind of how can we yeah make make people realize that actually this is a really great thing to do and we should be prioritizing it because i think at the moment potentially a lot of people don't
1: I think it's I think it's a few things I'd say that there's and the conversation we've had with Nick before is there's different schools of thought about whether it should be mandatory or not whether it can be or not I think some organizations do approach it that way and mm. that's a choice that those organizations make and everyone has a you know a different approach to it but I think that it has been really challenging getting everyone to buy into it and but I think those challenges are what we've similar to what we've discussed before which is sometimes people are focused on well if actually if I'm going to step away for an hour or I could spend an hour sat working on this case, phoning these agencies, dealing with these problems, or I'm in crisis or, you know, I think we always understand that I think when we're in this conversation, we're, we're separating out those who are dealing with an in the moment high crisis situation. I think we all accept that they're going to be dealing with that. Mm-hmm. I think what we're talking about more broadly is people who, because we're always dealing with crisis to some extent, mm-hmm. but there are some cases more severe than other. and I think it's important to distinguish that. But I think it is difficult for people to feel it's okay to step away, and I think that's been part of the conversations we've had before when we've been trying to encourage people to do it. And I think uh, people aren't clear on what's the benefit of me talking through this thing. They're like, well, I don't have any serious problems. I just got to get on with it, yeah. and and that that can feel like the real answer. You know, they feel that very real for them. So I think it's a combination of of those things. Really, is feeling like this is what I I have to do, I have to get on with this work or what's the real benefit of talking through these problems or uh, who's going to understand these problems? These problems are my own, nobody else experiences this, which is the delusion we all live by is that we're all living our own life, right? And nobody else can understand it. Um, So hopefully, I think people are getting better at understanding those things, particularly when we talk about the stigma of mental health. Um, But it surprises me in this sector that considering the sector we work in, when we work with people with mental health, that less people people seem less confident to come and talk about and reflect on work. And it doesn't have to be about I'm talking about my emotional difficulties. It's yeah. talking about, oh, there's this thing about how we work. There's a real problem or, you know, I don't like this attitude or this ethos that we have or to be there to support others. I think is an important part of it as well and support colleagues.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be nice to end on kind of looking at how what are the benefits of reflective practice? And I think this kind of links into the rest of the series in terms of, you know, we've talked about, you know, the real the reality of kind of getting vicarious trauma and being burnt out and feeling very stressed and our boundaries being pushed. And I think actually reflective practice really ties into everything. But I guess from your perspective, what would you say, Nick, is the is the main benefits of reflective practice?
2: Well it helps us to notice what it is that we are doing well mm-hmm. and what it is that we could do differently and what it is that maybe we shouldn't be doing so might help us to reduce stress because maybe we're taking on too much maybe this is a problem that you know my manager needs to consider um for example or something needs to change so it all it really helps us to be more effective in our work we can make more of a difference which of course is what motivates workers stepping back by reflecting means we're also much less likely to be vicariously traumatized by clients because we're making sense we're we're developing new perspectives and new learning for us for our colleagues and for the organization because i think when we work with really difficult complex situations and challenging clients with multiple needs it is important to to try and try and make sense of that so that we can feel um safer within ourselves because otherwise it can just seem a kind of there's no if we can't see patterns then we can then it's very difficult for us to carry on responding and then we get into reacting so it's important to really think
1: and make sense
2: and yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: makes the work more enjoyable.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I
1: think that's just to say is that I think to frame out what you're saying there is that it's important that workers are able to uh, release that valve a little bit and release some of that tension mm-hmm. from from dealing with things on a day to day basis uh, that can that that releasing that valve gives us the capacity to do more and to give more and to do it with clarity. I think it's hard to do that without that clarity.
2: Yeah, really, really, really well said. And it might be that we care so much that, you know, maybe we've slipped into not setting enough boundaries because we think, oh, we should be, you know, we should be spending more time with the client. Maybe that's not needed now. Mm. Uh, Maybe we need to be doing less and maybe we need to be... um, thinking about how much more can the client do for themselves
1: and I think that's important to think about responsibility there like we as as workers have a responsibility to ourselves and to our clients to be doing what we can to be to work with intention and work with clarity and as best we can to support those clients in through the trauma they're experiencing and this is one of those tools to help us do that in what ways can we further our experience and our knowledge in order to better help people and this is one of those tools that we as staff members need to step up and do
0: very well said neil (laughs) i think that's all we have time for thank you so much both of you for chatting with me today i think it's really important to talk about things like this and the use of reflective practice kind of daily not just as a group session and it's a way of kind of processing what can be really challenging work but yeah thank you so much for your time thanks for listening to keep up to date with the latest goings on at Homeless link please follow us on Twitter at homelesslink. If you're interested in training and development opportunities for yourself your team or your organization get in touch by emailing training at homelesslink.org.uk We have a range of courses that help staff and organizations develop the skills needed to tackle current issues and improve services.